Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford and I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world. I've taken a bit of a hiatus from the podcast because I've been working on so many projects here and there, some anytime related, some personal related, and then you got the coaching and the training and being a dad. So I apologize about that, but I'm I'm definitely going to drop this one now and then I'm going to drop another one uh, this week. And then this week, as a matter of fact, we're traveling to Italy to speak to an American military dad who is raising two budding superstars, soccer superstars in Italy. And we dig deep into how things are going for them and learn a little bit about the European ODP program, which I didn't even know existed. So um, definitely check your um, smartphones or however else you get podcasts uh, for the um, Italy Inside Scoop edition. So if you're not familiar with Anytime Soccer Training, um, Anytime Soccer Training is a program we've created that will house over 1,100% follow-along training videos covering all the major areas of individual skill development. But in addition to the thousand uh, videos, we are also publishing over 101 fun soccer game videos that you can play with your kids or your or coaches can play with their parents. And that's a good segue into um, what today's podcast is going to be in a recap of the previous two podcasts. But before I do that, I want to remind our listeners that if you want to learn more about Anytime Soccer Training um, and what we do, or get involved in the uh, Facebook discussions that we have about sort of those deeper issues within youth soccer and youth soccer parenting, then I encourage you to do two things. Number one, go to the Anytime Soccer Parent Facebook group and join and let your voice be heard. We'd love to have you as part of the conversation. And that's where actually where I post the podcast as well. And, you know, people give their feedback on that. And then um, also join the mailing list at www.anytime-soccer.com. Again, it's anytime-soccer.com. And then I'll send you some uh, some content like this and also some, some free videos for you guys to kind of see how the product works. So, as a recap, this is the third show of a little mini-series I've created. The mini-series doesn't even have a name. I don't even know what I would name it. But the mini-series looks at, is looking at three big sort of topics. And the first one, and if you haven't listened to the Dreams versus Expectations podcast, I encourage you to do, do so. The first topic was reconciling dreams we have for ourselves, dreams we have for our children, especially, and then within those dreams, youth soccer, reconciling those dreams with uh, the realistic realistic expectations that we have. And that, and that podcast was inspired from stuff that I read on social media, right? You'll have a parent who is being transparent and effectively saying, my child is pretty young and I have these tangible goals for them 
And I'm not going to get into the debate on like setting long-term goals for your kids or whatever, but clearly the parent has aspirations for their child within soccer. And I, and I joked in the, in the dreams versus expectations podcast that if you share those aspirations with your child publicly, uh, if people don't admit you into uh, an insane asylum, they're definitely going to laugh you out of the room. And you're just going to be straight up trolled and abused. And I find this to be quite, um, upon reflection, to be a weird mm, reaction. I understand how social media is, but when I think about it deeply, we, as parents, the day your child is born, maybe it's just me, but the day your child is born, you start formulating dreams that you have for them, right? This is a very natural thing. And so then once we embrace that, then we have to say, okay, we can't, in, in, you know, when it comes to youth soccer, especially, or any of these sports, you can't layer that stuff onto them because for a lot of reasons. But number one, you don't want to put too much pressure on them or have them, you know, stressed out or trying to live up to something that that they are not particularly interested in it has to be their dreams right and so but it's not a nor it's not unnatural for you to have dreams for them you know i went to morehouse college my older brother went to morehouse college i dreamed that my boys would go to morehouse college. as a matter of fact morehouse college in atlanta georgia did a fundraising thing and we have a chapel there and you can pay they did a fundraising thing you can pay to have names put a little name put on the various chairs in the Morehouse chapel and so my brother and I paid to have my name his name and our boys because he has two sons and I got two sons names put on the chapel on on those chairs now I don't even know if my boys are ever going to appreciate it. They ain't even, they're not even out of elementary school, let alone college. But this is a dream of ours. So what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to ignore it? No, of course not. But, you know, when that time comes for them to make the decision on where they want to go to school or whatever works out or not, not go to school, that is not going to be the time where I go and say, my dream was for you to go to Morehouse, and now you're letting me down or something. I may tell them I'm only going to pay for Morehouse, but that's more of a joke. But I hope you get I'm rambling a little bit, but I hope you get my point that I had dreams for them, right? And then we went on to say, and not only do we have dreams for our children, they can't even, they're not, it's not possible for them to fulfill all these dreams. So it's just not a rational sort of emotion. It's more of an emotional thing. Okay, but then we do set realistic expectations, right? And, and those are normally short-term. And so as a parent, what I do do, especially with my older one, is I help him think about how to transform his dreams into a reality. And here are some of the things that people who have these types of dreams, um, these are some of the things that they do, right? And... Your dreams may change, but based on if you told me, you you have told me you want to be a professional soccer player, and that's fine. I'm not a dream killer. Great. This is what professional soccer players do, and these are some of the things they do when they were your, they did when they were your age, based on what I've read and in in videos they have shared. Okay. Um, 
and let me tell you what they don't do. They don't say, oh, yeah, I, I just I just played all the time and it just came natural. No, most of them don't say that. They say, I worked really hard at this thing and I enjoyed every minute of what I did. I enjoyed, not every minute of it, but I enjoyed the training. It was some good days and bad days, but overall, I, I enjoyed the ride. And it's through that hard work and mentors and my parents and, and my coaches that helped me get to where I am today. That's what they say. So I also find it odd when people come and say, oh, just let them have fun. Well, no one no one ever comes back and says, yeah, I, I, I graduated from this university and the whole, and the whole experience was fun. You know, my whole educational journey was fun. Nobody ever says this, and I don't think it's realistic to tell someone who has aspirations to be in a competitive sport to tell them something other than that they're going to be good days and bad days, and you just got to stay on the grind and be committed. So those are sort of the expectations that I help my boys think through, which then segues into the next podcast that I did, which I encourage you to listen to, where I helped define, and at least from my definition, the four ways that someone can get better at something. And the best way to think about this is not the four actions that they can do, that's not, the, that's not the way to think about it. The way to think about it is when I see your actions, they, they're, they're going to fall into four these one of these four categories, if not overlapping, but they're definitely going to fall in one of these four categories. And again, that's why I want you guys who are listening who are not part of the Facebook group to join the Facebook group and, and bet, definitely share your opinion because this is just an opinion. So what are those four categories? Um... And why did I come up with these four categories? Well, I came up with the four categories before I tell you what they are again, or remind you what they are, uh, from a conversation I had with my son where I wanted him to do something I can't remember, and he was resistant to it. And so then I went back and thought about, okay, you know, you you have explained to me you have these expectations. I know what people who have these expectations do to turn those into a reality. Those, I'm sorry, you've explained to me you've had these dreams. I know what people who have these dreams how they turn them into a reality. And now I got to give you a framework to think about the categories of self-improvement. And so then I wrote an article on it and I effectively argued, listen, there are four ways to get better. Um, work on the things that you're good at, right? Practice the things that you're good at. You're never good enough to not improve on the things that you think, at least you believe you're good at. The next category of things, if I see you doing something, is work on the things that you are weak at or the things you're not good at, right? And we all have weaknesses. And if we don't think we do, then that's our weakness, right, is our mentality. We have an arrogant mentality. We think we don't have any weaknesses. So work on those things. Uh, and, and most people will say you should work on those things more than you work on the things that you're confident in already or you're good at. All right. And then the next two are more mental side of it. So those are the physical things I'm actually going to see you doing. And then from the mental perspective, um, you have to be willing to make mistakes. Not only should you be willing to make mistakes, you almost have to embrace mistakes as part of the process. And when you're talking to younger kids, you know, they're so worried about um, letting adults down and stuff. So there's a bit of that, right? And so you're just slowly chipping away at that so that you can produce someone um, who or nurture someone who becomes autonomous and confident that you're going to make mistakes. And this is just part of life. And you and if 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 you 
uh, don't want to make mistakes, if this is something you don't want to do, then competitive, competitive sports is definitely not for you because you will make mistakes. You have to make mistakes. That's the only way you, that's the one of the ways that you're going to get better, right? If you can do everything that the coach asks you to do on day one, then why, why are we even practicing? And so that's, that's the third way. And then the fourth thing you have, the fourth category is, but when you make a th- mistake, especially in the way that you think, you have to be willing to quickly, and I, and I say this very specific word, quickly and eagerly course correct, right? So someone, a coach, a parent, a mentor, a friend, uh, an expert comes to you and says, I see what you're doing. You should consider changing that because it's a mistake and you should do it this way. Like Eric Thomas says, that is not the time to argue with the guru. I'm not saying that you take everybody's word for face value, but you should be open. If you're in the business of self-improvement and someone comes to you and says, here's something you should consider. I'm not talking about these little random uh, Facebook arguments. I'm talking about people you trust, people you know, people who are familiar with your situation, who are observing you, observing your situation or observing your actions. You have to be willing to um, course correct and you have to create an environment where people feel comfortable telling you, Neil, I hear what you're doing, but you need to consider doing it this way. Thank you. Right. And as coaches, and parents, we should create environments where our kids feel comfortable making mistakes. And we should create environments, especially if we're in a leadership role, where anyone can point out areas that we can improve. I, you know, I've been around the block a while. I've worked in so many different industries. And if you, they're, they're leading, and I don't want to put this in a category because it doesn't work exactly like this, but for the purpose of this, there's two types of leaders. There's leaders who will only accept feedback from certain people who they deem are qualified to provide them feedback. And then there are leaders who are like, no, everybody shares a different perspective, right? And even if, I, even if I'm hearing someone's wrong perspective, if I'm hearing the wrong opinion from a lot of people, that lets me know that I got a communication issue and I need to go back and clarify the situation. So that's the kind of leader I think you want to be willing to listen to anyone. Don't get on your house. Oh, they're a parent. They never play soccer. I don't know. Oh, they're a coach and they're young. No, no, no. You know, everybody um, has some, can make some valid points and you should at least be willing to listen and open to make changes um, for the betterment of yourself. Okay, so those are the ways to get better. That's my soapbox there. Now, the final thing is, how should we, if we're in this business of self-improvement and we have a limited amount of time in the day, especially in a limited amount of years on this on this earth, how should we think about uh, the things that we can do to improve and how should we categorize and how should we think about and categorize those things um, as well, right? And, you know, as an aside, I began the uh, dreams versus expectation. I told you this uh, podcast with saying if you want to if you wanted to uh, get laughed out of the room, share your dreams with your of your kids publicly. 
Well, if you want to fight someone, if you're just in the mood to argue with somebody, when they, if they come to you with a problem, right? And this happens to me a lot. I think, I don't know why. I think maybe because of the podcast and just the way I am. And even though I do a lot of talking for this show, I try to try to listen to the parents and just let them vent. And people just find it helpful to vent to me because they feel like I know something about soccer or whatever, rightfully or wrongly. And so typically I just listen to what they're saying. But if you, and I wasn't always like that. So if you want to piss someone off, especially in the youth soccer space, maybe in politics as well, if you want to upset them, come when they vent to you about their situation, come respond to them with this framework and I guarantee you will lose you'll lose someone so of course I'm being facetious I actually I actually only share this uh, framework with one of my brothers I don't even share it with the other one one of my brothers and my kids these are only these are only people on this earth that I share this with I, I, I lie though I did write an article about this um, it's sort of in a political arena but no one reads it so I don't really count that so anyway, so here here is here is um here is a here is how I think about these types of things that you, that you can do or things that impact you. So there, so first of all, there's there's two big, I guess, buckets, right? There's things that happen to you and things that you can do, right? And those big buckets, they effectively fall into three big categories. So let's start there. There's three big categories, right? And these three big categories, again, relate to, and I hope I don't lose you guys. This is actually kind of hard to explain. But these three big categories relate to your ability um, to meet the expectations. So we've established what I should see you doing, what categories I should see you doing. You should be working on things you're weak in, working on things you're good at, making mistakes and course correcting. And then the way you should think about, you know, I got 24 hours. Where am I going to focus my time to get the biggest bang bang for my buck? You should think about them in these categories that I'm going to lay out. So first I'm going to lay out the categories and then we'll dig a little deeper. So the first category is the things that you have complete control over. So if we layer over the things you have control over to the other four things of ways to get the ways that you can improve. Um, you can start, hopefully you can start picturing that I have control over certain areas of working on my strengths, right? So that's things you control over is one big bucket. And then another big bucket is things you have no control over. Uh, it's nothing, no matter what you do individually, it's just not going to move the needle on these things. So an example on a, a secular sense, not soccer, would be... Um, national politics um yeah of course everybody can vote and i'm not diminishing that but in general the national political debate you probably don't have a lot of control over it on a day-to-day basis right so that might be an example in the soccer context it may be um uh the decisions that your club makes or doesn't make you may you probably don't have any control over that whatsoever especially if you have a club that has strong convictions and a certain way of doing things you're just joining an organization that's going to do things a certain way okay 
And then, um, and then there are things that you don't control. They're not totally out of your control. They're in the middle, which are things that you have some influence over. So you don't control it, but you have some influence over. All right. So, and so why is this important? It's important for a number of reasons. Much of the issues I see in the stresses that parents come and talk to me about and the stress and the issues that I read about parents having appear to fall in the area that they have no control over. I'm not necessarily passing judgment on them saying you should not consider these things and they should not consume some part of your thought thought process, but at the end of the day, you don't control it, right? But here's the good news. For the most part, if you get if you get the things, if you improve upon the areas that you do control, that provides the biggest bang and the greatest bang for your buck, the greatest improvement in your personal situation. So, and that's why I say you piss people off if you start talking to them and using this kind of terminology. But so if a parent, so it's not uncommon for a parent to come to me and say, hey, Neil, man, what do you think? I, um, my son is not, is not playing enough or my daughter's not playing enough. And I don't think the coach is utilizing them in the right way. And the coach is doing this. And then this kid is doing that. And then the team is doing this and blah, blah, blah. And I just think to myself, all of that is probably true. I'm not I'm not going to argue with you about that. But, boy, there's so many low-hanging fruit of things that you control that you need to get right that I just wouldn't spend much time worrying about it. Because if you get those things right, then you'll start seeing that doors will probably open up for, open up for you that you didn't even know um, existed. So, for example, I, I tell my oldest one, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't tell him this, that I would never really have a long conversation with any of your coaches about your playing time, right? Because I don't control it and they're probably not going to change, right? But this is a very common complaint that you have with parents. Oh, my child's not playing. this, And I'm not one of these quote-unquote coach worshipers either. So I'm, I can observe something not being done right. I just know I don't control it. And I have to pick my battles, right? And so what I tell my son is the only way I would even, let me say it another way. You should not worry about how often you are in the game or not in the game, especially at this age. You should just um, work on your game so much and work to have such a high impact on the game that when you're not in the game, and trust me, there are many parents who care about the outcome of the game. When you're not in the game, especially during crucial times, the other parents, not me, the other parents will come to me and eventually may even go to the coach and say, why is Adam Crawford not in the game? You know, he needs to, of all, he needs to be in the it's only then that you, that's how good, that's how good you, if, if that's not the case, 
you probably have so many things you need to work on on your own game that you just shouldn't worry about that extra 15 minutes that you think you should be in the game or do you think some other little kid should not be in the game. I don't think about it. And this is actually um, refreshing to me. I don't care which team they put you on. If they put you on a, okay, I can't count the number of conversations, and I hope I'm not coming off this venting too much, but I can't count the number of conversations I've, I've had with parents who tell me their kid's supposed to be on the gold team, on the silver team. I can't keep up with all these numbers. If you're in colors, if you have, if you're in the local area, if you're familiar with NCFC, you, you know what I'm talking about. If you're on the outside, you can't possibly keep up with all these colors. But the parents will come to me and say, ah, man, my, I thought my kid was going to be on this platinum gold team. And again, I'm not disparaging any of these people in this regard. I'm just saying this is what they come and talk to me about. And, you know, they're my friends, so I just console them and just like a friend. I don't really dig any deeper than that. But on this podcast, it's, you know, that's my time to be honest with you guys. In my mind, I'm thinking you don't have any control over that. And it really doesn't matter because if if you put, and I use my son, if you put, you know, Adam Crawford on a team that's two levels below what his skill level is, he will probably have such an impact on the game that it will be a distraction to the other kids and the other parents watching. And everybody will say, that young fellow doesn't need to be playing with these, with this, at this level right now. And if that's not happening, then um, Adam Crawford, in this case, needs to work on his game, right? So, so in other words, it's a win-win for me, right? I, I don't care what, how, I don't care how they evaluate my ten-year-old right now. I, and even if I did care about it, I don't have any control over it. And my message to my son is, well, work proven wrong. Work on your game and prove everybody that overlooked you wrong. And that's actually how I feel about the whole club politics stuff. You have to, and this may be naive, but you have to be at a level that you, um, well, I guess you'd say um, ring-fenced or you are um, exempt from the politics. So, and that's actually very difficult to do in soccer. So maybe I'll be a, Maybe I am being a bit naive, but the conversation has to be, well, we know we got Matthew. Well, he He's there. We know he's there. And now we got to figure out all this other stuff. And if you're not having that, if they're not having that type of conversation, the politics doesn't matter either ways, you know, where you fall, where you don't. And I'm not going to be taking any coaches or club directors or parents out for dinner trying to finagle you into a certain spot and maybe that'll change when my kids get older and i'd love to hear the perspective of our parents who have older kids because i have spoken to parents who are saying hey listen no i have seen kids not my own that are completely lights out and they just cannot overcome the politics of some of these clubs fortunately i'm not in that situation right now because my kid is neither lights out or involved in a lot of club politics okay so so i rambled a bit but here's the good news i think i said this if you get the things right that you control, then you have influence. You have greater influence over the things that you influence. Okay. So, 
So that's sort of the mental framework that I use when I start thinking about uh, where I'm going to spend the majority of my time focused on. And I try to try to um, transfer that or teach my boys that. Now, there, there is one more, maybe one or two more components to this, and I hope I'm not losing you. This is a heavy one. It's kind of hard to explain, but I hope you're following me. And if you follow the podcast, you know I like to kind of put this stuff in a bow. There is the another dimension, if you will, that I'll call the sphere of influence. And this is important, and it's a heavy concept. I'm going to try to explain it. So it's not uncommon for us parents and coaches and whoever to criticize U.S. soccer as a, as a governing body that then has a lot of influence over the national team. And in, in, in U.S. soccer in general, of general of U.S. soccer's and uh, sort of a in general national perspective, the whole apparatus of U.S. soccer, inability to produce elite-level talent in proportion to our number of soccer participants. It's not uncommon to hear criticisms about that. And then you, this is where you start getting into sphere of influence. So, again, me, I can't worry about that. I can't worry about the state of U.S. soccer or pay-to-play. I mean kind of see the world where it's at and I don't expect any major shifts um, in my child's my lifetime that's kind of how I view things so I look at ways to navigate um, the existing um, structures and the existing phenomena that I see but where the sphere of influence comes into play is but if you are the um, head of U.S. soccer no, 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 no. You can't just be like, well, you got to focus on things you control. No, because you now have influence. You do. Your decisions influence the national soccer uh, landscape and how soccer is organ- organized. And so another example to belabor that point is when I worked in schools, You, it's not uncommon for f- folks to pass blame around and push the can around um, uh, to areas outside of their local locus of locus of control, right? So it's not uncommon for a principal to say, well, you know, the families that we inherit in the poverty level and in the inner cities and the funding and all this stuff that's beyond our control, it's... That's a problem. And then it's also not uncommon for them to say, you know, and then the teachers and blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, listen, you are the school leader. The buck stops with you as it relates to the environment that we create in this school. And the same thing trickles down to the um, teachers and then it trickles down actually to the um, agency that the children or the students should show. And then on and outside of the community, you know, I turn around and have the same conversations with the parents. Listen, you can't become overly fixated on the rating or the ranking or of the school, right? or you can't become overly fixated on, you know, how much funding the school gets or transportation the school gets. 
because there's so many low hanging fruits that you can get right within your own home, especially as it relates to supplementing your child's education, that we should focus there first. And that is actually going to have the biggest impact on that which you say you care most about, which is your child's education. But then and then collectively, if we get that right, collectively, we can work to um, solve some of these larger challenges that we have no control over. So and so that's why I'm saying if you're listening to this and if you've made it this far, that's why I'm saying this is typically not a popular conversation and not something I go into a lot of detail with with people beyond the folks I mentioned, my older brother, who's like a mentor to me. And my sons who have to listen to their dad. Everybody else, I just kind of like, don't go there. So now the question becomes, well, what in the heck does, you know, things you control, things you don't control, and uh, things you have influence over, how does that relate to youth soccer? Well, I talked about that a little bit with parents, right, and the things that I see them becoming what I appear to consider to be overly fixated on. Um, but now let's talk about it in terms of uh, something that um, of debate that we I've been having recently with folks, and we it's friendly friendly banter, but on social media and a perspective that I share that I know they don't quite understand because I haven't really explained it, and it's so unique that I, they just would not even have, it's not even somebody that something they would even consider. So now. We have to take a step back. If you've been following this podcast, you know that I am a self-proclaimed parent trainer. And a, self, and a parent trainer believes in the power of deliberate practice, right? They believe if you work on something, you will get better. And then they also believe that a lot of the stuff we're doing in terms of soccer, right, we're just using timeless principles that have been proven over and over again. We're just applying them to um, youth soccer, okay? And that's important to understand when we get into this debate that I'm going to share with you, which is the um, classic debate of opposed versus unopposed um, soccer training. And if you're not familiar with those terms, uh, unopposed work uh, and anytime soccer training for example has a lot of unopposed work which is where the child or the player is practicing a skill without opposition and in many would argue it's not even game um, relevant so you know no different than a boxer doing um, jump ropes I mean they don't really do jump ropes in the in the ring or a boxer doing air shadowing. I mean, they don't do air shadowing in the ring, but those are unopposed uh, drills. So dribbling through cones is an unopposed drill. Um, working on scissors with no one around is an unopposed drill. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have opposed. That's where you have an opponent trying to prevent you from doing whatever you do, whatever you're doing. And typically, the debate falls along the lines of soccer. Right. Oh, you know, a person, if you don't put it into the game context, they're not going to be able to apply it in the game. And then you hear people say, well, yes, but 
you know, you got to walk before you crawl. So that's why I do unopposed first and then I transition to light pressure and then pressure. And then uh, you have all kinds of opinions on this. And you have some extremes saying, hey, you doing unopposed work is almost a complete waste of time. And then you have extremes where it's saying, actually, all you need to do is mainly unopposed work until you master it. And it kind of, and the kids work it out when they are in these opposed settings because they have mastery. So you have all these schools of thought. And I actually think the answer from a soccer perspective lies somewhere in the middle. I think you probably should do some unimposed stuff, right? Especially when you're learning, especially when your kids are really young. But you definitely can't stop there. And I don't even know why a rational person would. You need to apply pressure as well. And that's what we're doing with the um, fun and games module. And then we're doing a finishing module as well, where we apply a lot of pressure. And then, um, and then we're going to do a series of opposed work as well um, later down the road. And so why am I saying all that? Because you have to understand me as an individual and then me as a, as you say, the mayor of parent trainers out there, uh, all three of us out there that we believe at our core that we control our own destiny. We control our destiny. We control our fate, right? We don't need anyone else in this respect. Yes, we may need individuals here and there. We need help. I'm not saying we do everything alone. But the buck start, stops with us, especially in, in sport, right? And that's the message I'm trying to teach my boys. So therefore, um, opposed, I'm sorry, unopposed uh, technical work is extremely important to me because it is the only work you can do by yourself. By default, to be opposed, has, you got to have someone else involved. And you don't control anybody else. You only control what you do, the time you spend on the ball. And then the parent, you know, again, if they're still thinking about it from a soccer perspective, they'll say, well, yeah, but, but Neil, you're there. And that is true. I am there. And I will provide opposition and fun and all that kind of stuff from a soccer perspective to my boys. But fundamentally, what I'm teaching them is, you know, mama's not going to get you there. And daddy is not going to get you there. Coach is not going to get you there. Trainer is not going to get It can't be a situation where the only time you're getting better is when someone else is with you. And, and what I'm going to do, because you're too young, and I don't, expl I don't explain it to them in this sort of harsh, you know, direct terms. But what I'm going to do, because you're too young, is I am going to teach you a process um, and a way of thinking. right? And the process is, because you're working on this stuff on your own, take it step by step in very small chunks. Because if you try to bite off more than you can chew, you'll get discouraged and quit. That's what I believe. And then the mentality is I control how much time I spend on the ball. I control how much time I spend working on my craft. I don't need a goal. 
I don't need a soccer field. I don't need friends. I don't need a coach. I don't need trainers. Me. And that's why opposed work is so important to the foundation of what um, what I do personally with my sons and what I've created in the in the um, in the um, application. It's a core belief of mine. And it, it's not even a soccer thing. It's, I think you just, if you put your mind to something, you can do it. Right? And so, again, if you want enemies, then tell them that and they won't like you. And that's just the way it is. Now, I'm going to add opposed uh, stuff to the Anytime Soccer Training uh, uh, program because that's what I do personally outside of Anytime Soccer Training. Because it's very logical to um, progress from, you know, you're doing something opposed, unopposed and then you add some light pressure and then you add full on pressure. Now, from a practical matter, they get a lot of opposed, um, I guess you'd say, work in team training. And then in the free play environment, as a matter of fact, it's. 9 o'clock a.m. now on a Saturday morning, I'm going to take them to a free play, not a free play, but kind of a free play futsal thing, and they're going to get a lot of opposed work there. And my older one was joking with me saying he's going to try to do um, two things. He's going to try to do a uh, rainbow flick uh, score, because I showed him some kid on my Facebook group who did it, and I was like, wow, that was amazing. And then he's going to try to cross the ball Oh, God, I don't know the terms. But basically, uh, whipping his foot behind the other one. Almost like an L behind, kind of, but cross the ball. And you've seen a couple of premiership players do that. And he and he said to me, yeah, Dad, I can do it there because, first of all, parents are not, this is an indoor place, and parents are not allowed in the you know, facility, which I hope that's one of the things that stays with COVID. I'm sure the kids love it. The, kid, the parents are not allowed in the facility. And then he's like, yeah, I can do it there because there's no parents and it's not really my team. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I want you to be doing. And so um, I don't know how I got on that. But the point is, yeah, I know how I got on that. He will practice this stuff in an opposed setting. So to put it in a bow, I'm not going to win any soccer arguments because I got my soccer license on Facebook and Google. I don't want to even engage too much into any soccer arguments. I will point out for the parent trainer some tips that I have observed that seem to be ignored by the broader um, soccer community and I will hopefully share some tips to help you work with your child without driving them completely crazy. The argument that I want to win is the life one. Right, right? So so I don't want my sons growing up thinking, I don't ever want them ever come to me, coming to me saying, I did not do this because I didn't have this. Nope. Just be straight up. I didn't do this because I did not want to do it or I chose not to do it. Um, And then we're fine with that. And guess what? Dad is cool because, you know, most people don't want to spend five days on the soccer pitch, so that's fine. So I'm rambling a little bit, but that's why opposed uh, technical work is so important to me. 
So, hey, folks, that kind of concludes this three-part series. Again, dreams versus expectations. I hope you go back and listen to that if you haven't. The four ways to get better, please go back and listen to that as well. And then to summarize, you, you know, the three areas of influence, the things you control, things you don't control at all, and the things you influence and why unopposed technical work is so important to me in that regard. And then to summarize it, you know, I'm not suggesting that you can totally ignore the things that are beyond your control. I am suggesting that you should not become overly fixated on those things. And I'm also suggest, suggesting um, that from my observations and my experiences, it's rare that people come to me and complain about the things they control, right? Um, sometimes they do, but it's rare. They typically come and complain about the things that they have no control over. And, you know, everybody's situation is different, but I'm, I'm imploring you to evaluate whether or not that's where you want to spend your time and energy and evaluate if that's the uh, vibe that you want to give to your children. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope that you were able to follow. Um, I Again, this is one of the ones I published for public consumption, not to get everything perfect in the actual podcast, because you just can't, but to stimulate conversations on the Facebook group. So join the Anytime Soccer Facebook group parent Facebook group and also check out www.anytime-soccer.com um, to get those free videos. If you're a club or um, you know a trainer or anyone listening and you want to and you want to test out Anytime Soccer training for free, um, just drop me a message at neilanytime-soccer.com. Again, it's neil n e i l anytime-soccer.com or hit me give me a dm on the uh, facebook and i'll i'll set you up a free account why would i do that because i know that you'll you'll find it beneficial and you'll want to share it with other folks okay so thanks again for listening to the inside scoop my name is uh, neil crawford let's get better together